You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Yo, man. Uh, just another Sunday or Sunday Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you know, practicing my social distancing. Uh, not like some people bowling a tournament down in South Florida this past weekend. Uh, I hear there's, there's several, bowling, several bowling tournaments going on uh, across the country. I saw several uh professional bowlers you know put put word out on social media in one way or another that they were bowling tournaments i know one was kyle troop uh Stu williams i know bowled the tournament this weekend and uh i know who you're referring to rob yeah i read an interesting post by walter ray uh williams jr in regards to a tournament that he bowled uh in south florida that um was ha- had six people on a pair and according to his post, he was very disappointed in the fact that the bowling center didn't have any social distancing of like precautions and measures for the tournament. And it's it's just kind of interesting because we had Greg Tack on a few weeks ago and he had this whole plan laid out about how he was going to do all of these like social distancing pr- precautions and take all these measures to make sure like the people safe. And here in Florida, Mike... <laughs> They're just they're beating by their own drum. I don't really know what else to say. Uh, six on a pair. Uh, didn't look like there was any social distancing going at all. Looked like it was a full tournament. Um, didn't look, and here- didn't look like anybody was wearing a mask either. Yeah, and he he Walter Ray live streamed. Uh, you know from from his Facebook page. So if you want to go back and check it out, you can go to his Facebook page and and watch it. Give it a look. Yeah. So uh, what do you think, Mike? I mean. Is this, I mean, do you have any thoughts or opinions on this? Because it's just wild. Like Florida just kind of feel like, just feels like they're just doing whatever they really want to do. Uh, The beaches are packed. The bowling alleys are packed. And here, like there are bowling alleys in Chicago that aren't even open. And this turn, this bowling alley in Florida, just trying to, just trying to eight game tournament with six on a pair. And Mike, the greatest part of the whole thing, and look, I'm not making fun of this because it's a serious situation. The pattern, the pattern was called "Highway to Hell." Okay, <laughs> that's what they bowled on, Mike. Now, if you get a, you sure you sure it wasn't high highway to COVID? Are you sure they did? They could find that pattern in the machine. Mike, they're bowling on a pattern called the highway to hell during a pandemic, and there's no social distancing like measures in place. Florida, what are you doing? What are you doing, Florida? <laughs> Dude, Florida. Somebody from Florida, hit us up. David O'Sullivan, somebody in Florida, Sean Ricard, hit us up, man. What is going on? God, it's you know, wild. It's funny, Rob, because I talked to uh, I talked to Stu, you know, uh, last night. I just checked in with him, just say, hey, how did how did your tournament go? And you know, he he texts me back saying, "Oh, I qualified here." I said, "Listen, I wasn't really interested in the bowling. I wanted to know about this, you know, the, just what was in place and what it was like." And he said, "It was business as usual, man. You know, no yeah. no mask, no social distancing." So, you know, obviously, I think where you are in the country uh, is going to affect what the response is and and you know how far people are taking things at this point. 
you know, some places are more locked down still. Other places seem to be opening up, you know, but hey, listen, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I found it interesting that, uh, you know, the, the, the comments to Walter Ray's comment uh, or what I wanted to comment on, you know, everybody gives me a hard time about not being on Facebook. This is the type of shit why, why I'm not on Facebook. Because if okay. I was on Facebook, I don't know if I could help myself to respond to some of the idiocy and lunacy on there. Okay? So let's go. What do you got? So I'm not even going to name names. People can go and check out the comments themselves. One person says, if you're uncomfortable being out in public, then you shouldn't be out in public. I spoke to a husband of a nurse and a cardiologist today who both said that the mask is for your perception of safety as the mask means nothing without additional PPE. I mean, see, that's the problem with Facebook. Like, everybody's an expert. Everybody heard from a nurse of a friend of a cardiologist or something, and then they want to tell Walter Ray how to do things. And, like, do you really think that by going and posting on, on somebody's Facebook that you're actually going to change their mind? Do you think somebody's going to see a meme and say, oh, oh, I see the light now. I'm going to change my opinion on that or change my way of doing things? It's nonsense. So, you know, I mean, it was just – crazy. And one other person said, in my opinion, if you were worried about social distancing, you shouldn't have come. I mean, what kind of attitude is that? You know, isn't it, isn't it up to the people running these events and the people in charge of these things to respect the, the, the opinions or wishes of everybody, or at least not, if they're not going to at least put word out there. I mean, some of what I read here said that there were only, you know, it was supposed to be limited entries. Then it was opened up at the last second. And, um, you know, it was uh, somebody else. Somebody else criticized Walter Ray for only wearing his mask when he was done. I mean, it's just this determined is just, directors. This Mike. is lunacy, bro. These, Mike, people, these people are Looney Tunes. Determined directors. They see all these people waiting to bowl with all these lanes and pairs open, and then they just decided, screw it. Like I'm not gonna like. Let's just bowl. And everyone probably around determined directors were probably just like. Oh, which is bold. It's not a big deal. Like, I mean, it's just like, dude, and you're right though. Like you're not going to change anybody's opinion on social media. Yo. And I, I get into that battle with political posts all the time. So you're telling me like, if I'm, if I'm, yo, if I'm a, uh, you know, a one, uh, if I'm on one side, extreme one side or the other side, Mike, if you're post, if I'm seeing opposite of you and you put a post up there and you s tell me something, regardless of what you tell me, facts or not facts, Am I going to change? You're not changing my opinion. I, it's a conviction. A conviction is, is hard to, it's, it's impossible. So people get into fights, you know, and something my father always told me, Mike, and I'll take this till I die. You can't fight crazy. You just can't fight crazy, Mike. Yeah. There, well, listen, I mean, this is, this is why I'm not going to be at a bowling event for a while, you know? And I also thought through all the conversation there and, 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 you know, reaction to his post, I, I thought about, what this means again, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but what it means for competitive bowling going forward and league bowling going forward. I mean, we're only six on a pair, and you know, usually that's that's standard for a league, right? At a, at a minimum, it's four or five, even more. So, you know, yeah, it just it makes things really tough, and uh, it's going to be that way for a while. But listen, yeah. you you ain't, you ain't going to see me at a competitive bowling event for a long time because of this reason, because sure. people have their own opinions and they're going to do things the way that they want to do them. And I may not agree with that and I can't force them to do them my way, you know? So yeah, I have the I, choice to stay home. The way the country is going right now, this thing is not, 
this thing is not going away anytime soon, honestly. Like the, people like uh, are just going out now. They felt they felt like, oh, it's over. Let's just go back to our, our lives, and that's their decision. But uh, obviously, like it's going to be interesting to say the least to see how this pans out in the next couple months because it could send the country into a, a tail a, a tailspin a second wave a third wave god only knows like what or everybody everybody could be okay and fine and then it just kind of goes back to normal i mean there's just so many different like ways of this is going and everyone has their own choice of how, how to deal with it so yeah um you know one of my friends was like hey like my friend's having a get together tomorrow and I'm like, nah, I'm good, man. I'm just going to chill, like, whatever. And then uh, next thing I know, I see on his, like, Instagram, like, they're playing Flip Cup. And there's, like, 10 of them. I'm just like. Yeah, my neighborhood, you know, over yesterday and today, you can you can kind of tell who's concerned about it and who's not. Uh, the people who aren't, they have volleyball nets set up in front of their houses. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not criticizing. If I that's know. your approach, go right ahead. That's fine. Sure. You know, I'm not coming. I'm not going to be hanging out. You know, I'll I'm chill just chilling for a little with my bit. Family in the, yeah. in the driveway by ourselves, and that's about it. But um, I did, I did go down to my mom's yesterday, actually, for the first time in a while, down to Philly, and uh, did some work around her house. We didn't really interact all that much. You know, I just did what I needed to do, cleaning up her yard and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you know, you can definitely tell very easily. So, I think. Keep your distance if, if that's if, if you have concerns, right? Because we're going to see more of these things, not only through bowling, but in other situations as well. Man, by this time, you should be a, a pro housework person. Is there like a housework tour you can go I already on? Am. Just I already am. Listen, when you, when you man up and buy a house, okay, a real house with like a lawn and stuff to do, you'll find out. You laugh, yeah. but you'll find out. Yeah, you house, go to your mom's and do housework. No, you know, house you go. Is never ending work, and you yeah. know my mom. The house that I grew up in, it's it's you know it's not a lot. There's not a sure. lot of grass and property. It's pretty easy for me to do. My house now is a lot of work, but yes, I am a housework pro, Rob. If you need some advice about something, you know who to call, bro. I maybe gotcha. maybe Philly will open up a housework or, uh, arena, like uh, they're just they're about to open up a. Esports, esports, e-sports which is, arena, which right? is what what's what's going to transition in, into our next uh, interview here for the people. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so we we uh, we did this interview a, a little while back, right? About a week or so ago, uh, maybe even two. And we we've mentioned to people on other shows that we have some bank content that we're looking forward to putting out, and this was one piece of it. Uh, so had an interaction on Twitter through uh, the Sam Ross scene of Sweep the Rack, PJ Haggerty. And he was having a back and forth with uh, the guy we were, were going to uh, do the interview with tonight. And, and that's uh, Ray Lucier, also known as Rambo Ray. And, you know, we got to talking a little bit back and forth. I said, hey, if you want to come on Sweep the Rack, hit us up. He hit us up. So, yeah, we wanted to welcome him on. He's, uh, he's a, a, re- a very, very accomplished regional player. Uh, also uh, bold, bold for his country of Canada. Uh, is a very accomplished bowler up there, but Rob, he's even more well known as a as a gamer, and we'll get into that in the interview uh, that we have for the people. So, um, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna move it on and let the people check that interview, Rob, and uh, and hopefully they enjoy it. It's a good yeah, one. It is. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so Rob, uh, if I were to ask you, uh, what what person who's involved in the in the bowling community at a high level? has the strongest social media game, strongest YouTube game, 
strongest Twitter game, strongest Instagram game? Who who would you say, Rob? Come on, who's the obvious answer? Yeah, uh, Jason Belmonte. And you're wrong. Okay, you're wrong about that. The person that has the, the real strongest social media game uh, that's involved in bowling in a real way at a high level is uh, is is our guest tonight. And uh, that's that's a, a young guy that goes by the name of uh, Ray Lussier. Uh, he's from Canada. And, Rob, besides being involved in bowling in a, at a really high level, and we'll talk about that in the interview, he's also one of the best Call of Duty players in the world, uh, from what I've read, if I've done my research correct. And, and he's actually made a living um, out, of, out of being a professional gamer. So uh, I, I made a connection with him on Twitter uh, through PJ Haggerty. Shout to PJ, the Sam Rothstein of Sweet the Rack, okay? So when I made that connection, I asked him if he would want to come on the show, and he was game. So, uh, Rob, I hit him up, and uh, we're going to welcome him on Sweet the Racks. Let's bring him in. Yo, what's up, guys? Ray, how are you, man? Uh, you thank you for the time tonight. We uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time with us uh, to yeah. chop it up a little bit. Um, I guess start where we start with all of our guests. You know, you're a bowler. You're involved in bowling at a high level. Give us your background as a bowler, man. So uh, I started bowling when I was really young. My whole dad's family was into it. So I kind of got into bowling when I was two years old. In Canada, in Quebec specifically, we have like small pin bowling, which is like the little tiny balls and the, the pins have rubber around them and ropes, all that fun stuff that Americans are like, wow, what is this? This is terrible. You have ropes on pins? I mean, we've seen a couple of those on the state so far with big pins. But but yeah, it's kind of got, got into bowling. I did down until like, I think it was seven. And then my parents, my dad was a huge bowler. So he brought me to, he used to bring me to his leagues on the stroller. So I got, a, I got, I got to watch it when I was a young age. So I, I kind of grew into it and it was awesome. And uh, yeah, I started bowling when I was a kid. I got involved in league around, I think I was seven or eight. I actually grew up bowling with, a, I don't know if you know Mark Buffa. He went to Wichita State, a uh, great bowler. And uh, I, I got to bowl like the Canadian uh, National Championships are basically our Team Canada qualifier for juniors and adults. We're all mixed into one. I got to bowl with DMAC and George Lambert and all those kind of awesome bowlers, Frankie included. Frankie was a little younger than I was, uh, Lavoie. Uh, but yeah, no, I just kind of got into it when I was young, started getting good at it. I was actually kind of seeking out to go professional into it. Uh, when I was about, I think it was 19 in a few months, I got sick to a point where I couldn't bowl anymore. And then I started, I was already playing video games at the time. So I kind of flourished into the gaming side more so than the bowling. And I kind of quit bowling for seven years and I picked it up again a few years ago, started bowling, uh, kind of uh, fulfilling my PBA dream. Got my card, started bowling these PBA events, bowling the big guys, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I bowled some regionals. That's kind of how I met PJ. The guys were shouting out. Uh, I played some regionals in the West Coast. Uh, my first year, I, I, I bowled two events the first year I tried it out. Then I joined the PBA, won rookie and player of the year in the West region. My first year, won two events, beat Jacob Butler for my first that for my first title, which is pretty awesome. There's actually a video down on my Instagram. I had to double in the tent because he talked crap, and I just went off. Uh, so it was actually a lot of fun. I'm sure you guys That's are going to get that one. Love it. Yeah. Love it. He like, just a small story since we're talking about it. He, uh, he basically, we were kind of even, I was up, I think five pins and he, he was going up first in the tent. He threw the first soon after he came back on the second one, he said, earn it. And he yelled at me and pointed at me. I was like, okay, big time boy. Let's see it. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I love that kind of stuff. Like it's just, it, it drives me crazy. That's one of the reasons why I did gaming for a living. But, uh, but yeah, I threw this, I threw the first one kind of nice and I just flushed the second one. And I, I actually, said a bad word, which was cut out of the video. But yeah, I was like, yeah, I effing earned it. Come on. And I just kind of, <laughs> and a couple of people in the crowd's jaws dropped. Oh, no, I was like, oh, what did I say? What did I do? I apologize to everyone after. 
but it was a cool awesome. story. And then, yeah, no, I want to, I, I kind of bowled a bunch of good bowlers out there. Darren, the Tang's brothers were born those regionals. So kind of got my feet wet in some competitive stuff. I bowled the world series. I think it was in 17 Reno. Uh, and I, that was my first kind of full PBA event. I bowled a master's earlier that year. Uh, but it, I guess a master, I think it's a PBA event, right? Master, but it's like a more like open thing anyways. But I got my car, I bowled it, bowled it, the, the world series of bowling. And that was a, for those who don't understand what pros go through, like 40 games with two practice days in between. So you basically practice day, 10 games, 10 games, practice day, 10 games, 10 games. That is like an absurd amount of bowling. My body was not ready for that beating. Um, and yeah, the last day, I, the last, I mean, ended up making a cut and ended up bowling Belmo and we could stop the story there. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, you gave us a lot to, uh, a lot yeah, to sorry. I kind of went off a little bit there. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Listen, we're, we're all about it, man. We love, we love the, uh, the bowling talk. We love all the chat. Uh, Rob, anything specific you want to follow up with from all that or? Yeah. If you went to gave it back to butcher, if when you doubled, I would have been really disappointed. And I, oh, I would have been disappointed myself, dude. I would have been pissed. I would have been like, yeah, it's, guy opened his mouth. I got to come back. I got my gamer background. I got to pounce on that. You want to talk? All right, guy, let's go. I, I love Jacob. Though. It was all fun and games. He, he shook hands after. Yeah. Play. He's a good guy, but Triff, uh, he'll, oh, I love you know, he'll, um, but you, I mean, you know, you, so you made a cut at the world series then. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it was basically the four days. There's like four patterns. Yeah. Uh, I could not bowl the gutter to save my life. So I did absolute crap on the cheetah. That's when they made to turn cheetah into a hard pattern. I think it was the year before that. Um, so I didn't do any, like, I didn't do any well for the world series, like the cumulative event, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the 42 foot scorpion pattern, I, I threw a Sherlock with 500 grit on it for eight, for like the 10 games Did not have to change balls once and just had to move left a little bit. I shot like, I think 320 over for, for the 10 games I ended up making a cut in 12th or 13th. Uh, the way it worked back then was a best of five and a best of three. And then you made the show. So I bowled Zeke Bay in my first match. I beat him three to one. And then I had to bowl Belmo, which was a, yeah, he he's something. He's, what? Give, give the people, a, you know, an inside look on what it's like for somebody like you who high level bowler, but doesn't have that that PBA experience to go in, make a cut and, and you got to bowl you know, one of the best ever. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Like, I mean, I was just there for the experience. Like you're, you're coming. I'm the guy who just kind of got in the field because I got my card and I had a rep behind me and the spot opened up. And uh, like they were like, oh, this guy's got a lot of followers. Let's get him on here. It was almost like a because that's the year Mookie bolted as well. Like Mookie shot. It's another funny story with that coming up. But uh, but yeah, during the, like the qualifying section, I'm just there having fun. Like I'm meeting a ton of guys. I get to kind of get uh, get Frankie back on my page because I me and Frankie used to bolt juniors together. Some events we're in a different age category, but we knew who we were and we still talked because we were kind of successful bowlers in our area. So. It was nice to kind of get to talk to him again. I made buddies with other bowlers who were into video games. Matt Sanders, I was actually rooming him for that event. And uh, I met Stu. I made, I made like a bunch of really kind of fun guys that kind of took me under their wing. And, and it was just a lot of fun to kind of have a perspective to see what those guys go through because it's, it's just something. Like a lot of league bowlers just don't understand the difficulty of what these guys go through. And some of the – granted, some of the patterns are a little soft. Yeah. But still, like, it's not easy. And the changes that the lanes go through at a PBA event are absolutely nothing, anything like what you see in your league or any local tournaments for the matter. Even regional PVMs, it's not comparable. Yeah, it's it's a problem, honestly, in the game, I think. I, I agree. The average bowler has no idea that what, you know, people at that level are competing on is just so much in a different realm than what they're competing on that they can't even grasp it. I mean, it, it's it's just completely different. So yeah. we, we should definitely talk about it later because Call of Duty, the game I play, or the game I used to play and now coach professionally, is deals with the same issues. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so my my follow up to all that is is listen, this guy is a serious bowler. Okay. So you know if you want to look and say, oh, you know, it's a video game thing. No, no. This guy plays plays the game at the highest level. He's been out there. Uh, you know, member of Team Canada, Youth Team Canada for a few years. Did you have any success there, Ray? Uh, uh, yeah. Or? I mean, I did okay. Uh, the, so I kind of got screwed, which kind of sucks because back then the, the youth age category was 23 and under for world championships. Um, and the first year I made the, the – well, I think it was the second year I made the youth team was the world championship year. So it was in Orlando. And I just turned 18 going to bowl. And I was bowling like Don Barrett and the, all like John Zerbinski's. Those guys are like you're in their 22s. So they obviously had a lot more experience than I did. Um, I actually shot a 299 at that World Youth event, uh, but I didn't do that great. I think, again, the short, probably short, will just mess me up. I think I finished like 58 overall out of like 250 bowlers that showed up. And my team was that strong, so I didn't really do much in team event and doubles. Uh, but yeah, it was. I, I think I went to also El Salvador for the Tournament of Americas, and I also bowled, uh, or no, that was, I can't remember. There was like two, there was a TFA and then the PAPCON or something like that. So one of them was in El Salvador, and then I think the, I think the TFA is the one they have in Orlando. And uh, actually, two, it was two weeks after the World Youth, they they actually asked the two guys, two, me and Matt Damon, I don't know if you guys know him or not, uh, not the actor. <laughs> but, yeah, I know the actor. Yeah, not, not him. <laughs> but uh, he's a bowler from Western Canada. And then they asked us the same bowl for the adult side, the TFA, because uh, we didn't get – because I guess the adults didn't, couldn't come out or something like that. And I got the bowl against Del Ballard and David Haynes, and uh, I, I, Del Ballard's always been a huge fan of that guy. I mean, the YouTube videos I used to watch growing up, obviously the gutter ball kind of sticks out, but uh, but still kind of, still I love that. Like, he's, he's someone I looked up to for a while, and then I got to meet him, and like he's kind of the guy that got me on Storm too. So I'm um, super appreciative of that, that human being. He's a great dude. And David, actually one of the guys that I ended up bowling a lot of regionals against because he's from he's in Vegas, so he bowls a lot of Western stuff. And I, I the first time I met him, I was like, I don't know if you remember me, man, but but like 10 years ago, we bowled, we bowled this tournament together. He's like, he's like, I bowled a lot of games. I don't remember. I'm like, oh, oh well, whatever. But it's just, it's super cool to just, I've always been the kind of, in the bowling world, I've never been like a top guy outside my like kind of local area. Uh, but I've always just kind of appreciated like the underdog kind of facet of it. Cause in the gaming world, it's kind of the opposite for me. And I kind of like just coming out and like, who the hell is this guy? I love that. I love that feeling. Cause I'm like, yeah, they don't know, but I'm actually pretty decent at this or even a little better than they think. So. Yeah, yeah you know, cool. to, to speak to that a little bit, like I watch a shitload of bowling and uh, I've, I haven't missed a World Series and I've been on extra frame and, you know, flow bowling from the beginning. And I remember when you first hit the national scene because I remember seeing your name and saying, yo, who the hell is this? Like, because, you, you know, usually at those tournaments, the guys that make the cuts are the familiar names. You don't see somebody that you've never, you know, either you've heard of them in college bowling or through some other way. And really wasn't familiar with your name at all. So yeah, I did a little research and uh, and saw yeah okay you know you weren't you weren't coming out of nowhere. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, so yeah, let's let's transition over and let's talk a little bit about your your professional gaming background. Just real uh, quick, real, I don't want to cut you off, but there's one story I got to say with that. Just kind of the no name part. They intro the bowlers when you bowl into when you go to the match play round, and they didn't know what the hell to say about me. So I was a game developer, so like. They were literally, they made a little story about it's Ray Lucier, 
He's a game developer. If you want to know anything about Call of Duty, he's your guy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was the funniest, like, weirdest intro. I was like, you could have said I was on Team Canada or something or a pro gamer. Not a game because I was a game developer at the time. So they're like, oh, I was so like, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, like, it, be, being on Team Canada is not an accomplishment to. to yeah, I guess so. Haters, man. Just, no. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned a lot of the names that, that come out of that area. Oh, 100%. And, you know, those are some some really heavy-hitting names there. And Rob, you know, you got the Saginaw connection there. I heard Dan McClellan's name mentioned, you know, Francois Laveau and, and Patrick Gerard and, and some other guys there, Mark Buffa. So, yeah, like, there's, there's a long line of guys who have come from that area and had a lot of success. So, you know, definitely could have been uh, an accomplishment that they could have thrown out there before the game thing. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, it, it's it's very popular right now. You know, Rob is over here. He's dressed in all video game attire for this interview. This is my Marvel shirt, but my Mega Man hat. Um, I I've been playing Overwatch a lot because there you go, nice. You know, that's, yeah, that's I actually just uh, downloaded the new Call of Duty not too long ago because I was bored with this quarantine stuff going on and, <laughs> yeah, and stuff. So I really didn't get to play a lot. But being home all the time now, I figured I'd be downloaded and take a look. So I've been on there playing. Go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, when I was in college, uh, we we used to play Modern Warfare and and just play it nonstop. And that, that to me, dude, that we went through so many, like, just, you know, uh, hopefully my mom's not listening, but cases of beer, like, playing Call of <laughs> Duty. Um, and when I tell my friend, uh, a couple of my friends who play all the time, that, you know, we have one of the best Call of Duty players on the bowling podcast, dude, they're going to freak out because, man, I used to grab that, that – that, that one big ass machine gun with the little freaking thing. And I used to just, Oh, I, I get, I get chills just thinking about it. Um, but I'm a big gamer myself. I mean, obviously not like anywhere near, I would love to get to your level, but I would love to hear your story about how you got into gaming and how that ends up being like a career for you because shit, like I would love, like I play clash Royale all the time and I would love to get on Twitch with these 17 year olds and make million dollars a <laughs> on Twitch playing Clash Royale. So yeah, let's hear, how'd you end up getting into Call of Duty, man? That's amazing. Yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting because most people kind of get into games because they're buddies and stuff. You know, my grandma's actually the one that got me into video games. I was super young and she played Mario on NES, the like the original Nintendo console okay. and and played Pac-Man, all that stuff. So I was just like, I was just watching her play when I was a kid and I was captivated by it. So I started playing at a young age. Uh, I got my like first online kind of shooter, I guess GoldenEye on Nintendo 64. I'm sure most yes. gamers will kind of remember that. Yeah. Played with my buddies in high school. That was kind of the, the what got me hooked. Yeah. yeah, that was a good game. And uh, I got this game called Black Hawk Down on the PS2. It was uh, derived off the movie. Um, and it was a shooter that like, actually, interestingly enough, kind of seemed exactly like Call of Duty. It was just kind of before Call of Duty time. And that's kind of the game that got me into shooters. I just got it. It's, it's something that that clicked with me. It's like, I'm not huge in a gun. I'm really not like a like a real life gun guy or really appreciate like war to that point. But there's something about kind of the intricacies of the strategy around those games that just kind of clicked in me. And and I just enjoyed from the start. Um, I got the Call of Duty game you're talking about. I played the beta of that game. That was my first Call of Duty game. Uh, I started playing online. It's a website called Game Battles. And it's a, they basically offer like free competitions where players can just go on and, and make a make a name for themselves on the website and then they join a team and then you kind of get a match against another team and then if you beat them you get XP and like it, there's no money really involved in that side of it but it was just fun to kind of compete and trying to get basically you're playing for pride right you're trying to be the best player on that ladder um 
kind of skipping ahead a little bit a year after that I, I played my first kind of competitive events for money started making a little cash i qualified for my first ever event it was a 2009 national championship it was in la and for those who don't understand the money difference back when i played to what it is now we showed up i i mean we showed up to an event playing for eight grand as a team to win like the first place prize was eight thousand dollars and it's a four-man team so that's two grand each okay. my flight from montreal to la was 900 bucks and then we ended up winning that event, which is awesome. My first ever tournament. I was super, ha super happy about it. I ended up getting taxed 39% of my winnings because I'm Canadian and it's considered gambling and there's a 9% California tax. So I got home and I got a $1,200 check after my personal expenses, everything. I basically broke even for winning my first ever competitive video game tournament. And now if you look at the money there is now, these kids, I mean, some of these guys are making millions of dollars. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I played professional COD for six years. I placed second place at the biggest tournament year my last two years which is kind of like our Super Bowl is called the Call of Duty Championships at the time. Um, and then I got dropped off from my team two weeks after getting second in the biggest tournament of the year, which is kind of sad. And I was 25, which most people are like, oh, you're pretty young. But in the gaming world, you're you're uh, like, your grandpa at 25 years old, <laughs> especially at the time I kind of played in. Most of the kids I was teaming were like in their early 20s or even late teens. Um, so I kind of got, for me, it's like a career as a job. Some of these guys are still in high school and kind of going to school while playing. So um, when I saw that kind of happen, I was like, well, okay, well, there's no security in this. And a couple of weeks after I stopped competing, one of the developers that I was friends with, uh, well, people who work behind the scenes for developers told me, are you interested in working in the gaming industry like as a, as a developer and help make the games instead of playing them? And I kind of, that struck me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I, I moved to the Bay Area, uh, started, I did like a four month contract, uh, kind of a, it was almost like a tryout, see if I like it, because I have no, I've never went to school. Most people go to school for that stuff. And they've never had someone like me as a player kind of come into their seat. So it's almost like, is it is it fun for me and am I useful to them kind of for my period? So I helped them ship a game called Advanced Warfare uh, at Sledgehammer Games. And then I did my four months and they liked what I was doing and I liked doing what I was doing there. So I have been doing that for five and a half years until February this year. And then the Bay Area cost of life. If you guys don't understand how expensive it is to live in the Bay Area, yeah, you can make you are you are poor for making low six figures out there. So, yeah. um, me and my fiance kind of looked at our goals and we were like, okay, well, we want a house and we want to have a kid, and we just didn't see that being feasible out there. So, uh, or about I'd say earlier last year, I started getting uh, getting offers to be a head coach for the because Call of Duty franchise as a league. So now we're like any professional sport where there's city based teams. And uh, the money is obviously because it's franchise and the sponsors kind of like the thing behind me, the empire is the team I coach and we have big sponsors and there's more, a lot more money involved in it now. So I saw that as an opportunity to kind of come back in the scene, back to my roots on the competitive side. And I was kind of known as the intellectual kind of smart player when I played. So the coaching kind of role fits me uh, from a start point. So I ended up kind of accepting an offer, got the visa stuff done because I'm Canadian and it's annoying and I moved to Dallas. So now I'm in Dallas uh, living much cheaper well, actually, I'm paying kind of the same, dude. I was paying two grand a month for a studio out there, which is absolutely insane. I wasn't even downtown or anything. Like now, I'm living in the heart of downtown Dallas, paying like the same price for two and a half, and it's just it's awesome, man. It's it, it's been cool getting back in the scene. My team's won two of the two of the first three events that I've helped them uh, since I joined the team. We won the first event, and we got I think third of the second one, and we just won our last event uh, last weekend. Uh, so I've been successful already doing what I'm doing, and I'm really excited about it. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, sorry if that was a lot, uh, but yeah, it's Mike, it's, it's, it could have went way more in depth. Yeah, look at those sponsors in the back. 
So we yeah, have Corsair is a see, Corsair is basically a peripherals, computer peripherals, Jack in the Box. I'm sure you guys know Greyhound and Jack Links. I'm sure you guys already know. So yeah. some yeah. serious sponsorship there, Rob. Yeah, that's what we got to talk bowling about how that could. Yeah, we're we're gonna bring it back around to the bowling in a, in a few I'm here. Totally, I got so much to talk about on that. First of all, it blows my mind. Like it just blows my mind that people are making money playing video games. Like if I would have been able to say that shit to my parents when I was a kid, who yeah. knows where my life would have went? Because I had no answer for them when they would say, you know, well, what are you spending all this time on this shit for? This is a good. If I would have been able to say, hey, listen, one day people are gonna be making a million dollars doing this shit. Might have been a different story. Uh, it was probably a little bit before my time. But, uh, yeah, Ray, I mean, it, it really just blows – really, like I said, blows my mind that people are out there doing it like that. Talk to us a little bit about how you went from just being a really good Call of Duty player to monetizing that and and, and, yeah. and making a living out of it first. So it, I'm going to say this first for anyone who's aspiring to do what I did. It's kind of like professional sports where you play something for fun and you just happen to be really good at it and find out there's competitions and you throw yourself out to the wolves and see what happens. There's no kind of pat. There's no guarantee. Like I could be like there's some college football players that are really good but just don't have what it takes to perform at the highest level and then just kind of get stuck in the weeds and just never really make it out. And it's the same thing for video games. It's no difference um, on that front. So when I first started playing, it was just, again, just I'm competing for free. I'm having fun. Oh, there's like this small tournament where you can make a hundred bucks. Let me try this. Oh, I want it. Okay. This is great. Let me play for a little more and see if there's anything that's bigger I can play. And then it just so happens that I, you kind of grow into it. And if you're a smart individual and understand the, to do the things that you need to do to win these tournaments, then you kind of have a chance at getting out there and making it a big time. It's a lot harder now than it used to be when I started because the community, there's so many more people that are trying to do it. One. And then two, it's just a lot more kind of restrictive. Uh, when I competed, there was open events where there's like 250 teams of four players that are showing up in one location to play a tournament, which is like, that's a lot of people. But now there's 12 teams in the league with contracted players. And the only way to get on those teams is to really show that you're special. And there's not really a good place to show that you're special beyond like those small tournaments they're doing on the side. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like being trying to join a pro team and you got to go through the farming system of, of the contenders league and hope that you showed you, you proved that you have what it takes. There's been a few players that have done that already, but you really have to be special to do that. I was, um, was going to ask like, what, how, how do the players get identified? So yeah, it's, it's difficult. So for example, like back in my day, I mean, I won't even say back in my day, that's pointless, but like the way I monet like to answer your monetizing question first. Uh, people do streaming on Twitch. That's one way people make, and people make videos on YouTube. Those are kind of like the two main avenues where people can make money, not just from competing, but also just by showcasing their gameplay. Uh, like I was one of the first streamers from Call of Duty that transferred over to Twitch when they first started Twitch. It was called Justin TV before that. And back then it was just like, you may, you, let's say you have 2000 viewers, you run an ad for like 30 seconds and you make like whatever, I think it was like a cent or two per view of the ad. So if you had a lot of viewers, you could make some coin if you're running like let's say 30, 40 ads per hour or whatnot. You it would I like I would make about two, two, three grand a month on a good month. So just running ads on my on my Twitch stream. So that was kind of like my base money. And then whatever I made competing was like the, the plus side of it. And I was always like my teams were always pretty much at the top. So I was kind of had some basis of kind of income coming my way. Um, but yeah, like nowadays, like the the best way to get yourself out there again is to probably stream your own gameplay go on Twitch and play these big tournaments, the biggest tournament, the biggest amateur tournaments they offer are the contenders league. And I think they're pretty occurring. They're like every other week now, I think. So you make a team of four players or five players now, and you go on, you go and play a tournament and you hope that you do well. 
I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's free entry to get in those. So it's not like you have to, and because of the coronavirus right now, normally those events are happening at the, the locations at which the pros compete. So you have to actually travel, but right now, because the whole virus thing and even the pro scenes online, then it's actually the easiest point of access for people is just to play from home. So you don't have to travel and spend the money because it's hard to get your, again, like for your, trying to explain to your, like, imagine me when I'm, I mean, I was working part-time making money. So my $900 flight went pretty easy when it was like, it's your money, do what you want with it. But, uh, but yeah, like it's pretty hard to go up to your parents and be like, Hey, can I get 800 bucks to go somewhere and play video games? Like, excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can tell you, uh, I know what I want to do for a living. That shit, because I play Call of Duty online. Like I said, I just downloaded it, and it, it it's amazing how good some people are. Yeah. I mean, it is you're fun. not even playing. You're not even playing. And these are nobodies you're playing against. I know exactly. No, it's like they, I'm still blown away by how good they are. So then I follow Ray on Twitter, and he tweeted out some stuff over the last couple of weekends about the competitions that he talked about that he won. So I went on to check out the videos. I mean. They're about five hours long, some of them. So be they're stream that yeah, it's basically like a day stream, and it's the whole the whole event is on the day. You yeah. can skip through most of it. Most of it's just kind of jibber jabber. And there's like out. a fifth of it of his playing, but yeah, it's yeah. I did. I went and checked it out, and I watched a little bit of his team team compete, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like these guys ain't even playing the same game. This like, <laughs> ain't even the same game I'm playing. <laughs> I for one want no parts of that whatsoever. Uh, Ray, you said that you had a team who dropped you. After you yeah, man. In the world, yeah, we we were we we got second in the biggest tournament year when we were like it was there were some weird kind of team changes that led into that event. Uh, it was a 2014 uh, World Championship, Call of Duty Championship, and uh, yeah, we two two players in the team thought they had a better chance of winning the the following events without me on the team, and then the other guy kind of got stuck making the decision, and that got me I kicked off the team. So, wow. and it's it's different. So now people are contracted, so now players play for an organization. Um, but back then it was basically like us three make a team. We, we get PJ to come play with us and us four, us four go to a tournament. And we, if we do well, we, we kind of hit up sponsors like empire. We're like empires, an organization that has X and X sponsor. We're like, yo empire. Can you, you guys want to sponsor us? We're a good team. We have a chance to win a tournament. We'll get you some more sponsors because we're going to do well. And that's kind of how it worked back then. But let's say Mike, Mike, bro, you suck this tournament. You played really bad. Mike, you're off the team. We're, we're picking up Mike Fagan. Mike Fagan's got more hair than you. He's a better looking man. He bowls better. You just got everything. So Mike Fagan's on the team, but now you're out, right? Just because you didn't play well. And, and me and Rob were like, oh, we don't like Mike anymore. Mike, Mike talked bad about us. Behind yeah, Mike talks shit all the time. Yeah, Mike talks shits, dude. We don't, we don't like that guy. So it's basically like, it was almost like friends kind of picking friends and whatnot. Right. Some which players is like- were, it, which is, I mean, it's not the way it should be, but that's kind of how it was. And, you know, it was at a very young stage and the kind of the way esports and everything worked. And it's kind of now getting into that professional kind of stage where players and contracts and everything going on is much more formalized. Um, mm. So, yeah, I was like the oldest player. The, play, the players on my team thought I was kind of losing it. And they were like, yeah, we feel like we have a better chance to win a tournament with someone else. And then they dropped me. <laughs> and the player they dropped me. Old. He's losing. <laughs> he's like, he's 25. He's, 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 he's losing, losing his skills. <laughs> He's, you know, but uh, Mike, I, I'd imagine that these these Call of Duty players, like you, you can't miss. Like I, that's got to be so oh, much no. pressure. Like you can't miss. Like like Mike, like you should see me shooting my gun. I'm just like 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 yeah, all over the place. So so just picture the thing you're really good at, and you just don't even have to think about it. That's how professional. It's just like professional athletes, like like Tom Brady throwing a football. It's just like he sees someone. He's just his brain just knows, Boop, and that goes to wherever he basically wants it to be. Right. So it's just, it's no different for me playing Call of Duty when I was at my professional level. It's just 
really the, the things I'm seeing in the game and my abilities of what like the control, I'm like one with the controller for lack of a better term. Like I'm, my thumbs are moving and I just like, I point my things around. I'm not even thinking about it. It's just, it's happening. The really the, the difficulties and intricacies of being a pro gamer are really in your head. It's like playing chess to a point. And that's the thing that people don't see. And I'm, you know, I'm sure you can segue that into the conversation you wanted to have earlier, but it, it's really like the difficulties and, and differences that people don't understand when they watch pro call of duty is because you don't understand them unless you really know what's going on. And it's, it's comparable to bowling in that front. You know, honestly, when I watched the videos, I felt like, man, I really, I, I'm, I'm not grasping or comprehending what's going on here really. And I did, I felt that way, but again, like I'm only, I'm only like a, an average player. And I do appreciate that analogy to bowling. Cause I, there, there are some uh, some real similarities there. Uh, Ray, how much time is someone you know when you were at your height of your of your you know you said you're coaching now, you were gaming before you know these guys who are at the top of the gaming world right now. What kind of time hours wise are they putting in uh, practicing on these games? So it really depends. I think it varies. Like when when again because for Call of Duty specifically, we play a new game every year because the game comes out every year. So we. We have one of the, I mean, it's it's fun because you, the content changes, but it's also something, there's always like small changes they make to the game in the mechanics. So you have to kind of readapt to them. So when the game first comes out, these these kids, these all these players are probably spending like 50, 60 hours a week at the very minimum playing when the game first comes out to really kind of make sure that they're, they stay ahead of the curve. And it's just like, I mean, it's like anything in life, right? If, if you, let's say me and Mike are like, okay, we're, we're going to start running for a living. If I'm if I'm spending my time training and doing things ten hours a day while you're doing it for two hours a day, you're not going to be able to compete. Like you just can't. So it's kind of the same thing in gaming. It's really a matter of like when a game first comes out for the first month and a half. I'd say it's like very very kind of time consuming. As time goes on, you don't have to spend as much time anymore because you've kind of grasped the understanding that you need to have to be able to play the game at the highest level. Um, but like our team, like just as a, as a basis, like our team. Right now we have a few weeks off before our next event, but like let's say the week leading up into the event, we're playing for like eight, nine hours a day uh, practicing. We play like three sets of, they call them scrims, which is like us versus another team that's competing and we practice. We play all the modes in the games that and the maps that can be played at the tournament. Um, so yeah, we play like three of those on a day. So it's, yeah, it can vary between, like normally they're like two hours each, two and a half hours each. So, and we spend like at least I'd say 30 to 45 minutes a day kind of watching videos and making sure just like professional athletes kind of watching VOD and making sure that we, we see the mistakes we're doing and we're able to fix them by talking about them and really uh, kind of getting that stuff, that stuff on lock. Cause one of the most important things, just like any team sport is all being on the same page. And that's, again, that's the team aspect of gaming is one thing that's kind of underrated. People don't really understand. Yeah. I could play eight, nine hours a game uh, a day. Um, I'm working from home now. So I pretty much do it right now while I'm working. So, uh, <laughs> don't tell your boss. <laughs> hopefully they don't want, they're not watching this. Yeah. But, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, that's amazing. Uh, like, and, and I'd imagine like you guys, um, like swing it back to bowling, right? Belmont that we've had pros on here before. Right. And these guys have talked about, they practicing hundred, 150 games a week. You know, so, I mean, you could imagine, like you said, the World Series of bowling, right? You bowl 10 games, 10 games a day, practice 10 games, 10 games. To you, 40 games felt like you were run over by a truck, right? Oh, 100%. Right now, I had to take an ice bath for the first time in my life. I was, I was feeling it. I know. Like, for me, the same thing. And, I, you know, I used to bowl that much, too. But, like, it's still like your back hurts. Like, you're especially your lower back, your feet. You feel like almost like an eight-month 
pregnant woman, right? After people. <laughs> I don't know what that feels like. I hope I don't have to. That's how I felt. My pillow back hurt. My wrist hurt. <laughs> what that feels like. I can tell you that. But you know, I'm just like comparing it. But like, as for like video games too, that's the same. It's the same comparison. You know what I mean? So like you guys are playing eight, nine, 10 hours, 11 hours a day. Like I couldn't even like imagine like having to like play a tournament. Mike, I would love, you know, to see a video. And this is something like a, the pro gamer, like, arena where they bring in someone like me or you who's an average player and just throw us in there and see i would probably be running like i would just be on like l sprints the whole way through the map trying not to get hit you would and die i guarantee you i would last more than 15 <laughs> seconds you were not not even that five i think yes. you five <laughs> i would just throw it off but it's, like for gaming, it's not really the physical aspect. That's more. It's more the mental aspect that's difficult. Uh, like because you're spending that much time in front of a screen. There's, there's kind of a lot of things to process in a day when you're trying to learn things, especially. So it's, it's, it's not like again, your fingers. Like a lot of people, oh, his fingers must hurt and all that stuff. Like some people hold the controller weird. That kind of can hurt your fingers a little bit. But for the most part, these controllers are not really good and comfortable. So you really, I mean, if the way you sit is bad, you get bad posture. But beyond that, it's like the physical aspect of gaming obviously isn't really a big thing. Yeah, it's it's really more what goes on between your ears that's really kind of straightening. And, and Just like bowling, right, Mike? Yeah, no, listen, it's funny because uh, Ray just mentioned a couple things. And, and like, you know, as bowlers, you know, we're all bowlers here. And you tell people you bowl and you always get those, like, dumbass questions that come along with telling people that you bowl. You know, like, oh, you're an athlete? You're a sport? Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, there's different balls? Oh, what are they, different size? I mean, so, what, yeah. Like, what's I, that I, slippery thing on the lane? I stepped over the foul line once and I fell on my bum. Yeah. Do you dress like the dude from Big Lebowski? Is that how you dress? Do you have a towel? I was going to be that guy. I was going to be that guy, but be that guy on the side of asking about the gaming, right? Yeah. So like when he, when he, when I saw that he was a coach for a professional gaming team, I was going to say, "Oh, Ray, like, what does that involve? You have to go and get the guy snacks and maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe like pack their bomb for them while they're getting ready for the next round." I don't know, like. So yeah, I, I wanted to be that guy, but you know what? I won't be that guy. I'll just no, I, I mean, I can tell you, it's really not that crazy of the kind of an answer. I'm, I'm like the Bill Belichick, right? Like I'm just a guy who's not physically doing anything that players are doing. I just understand and see things that they might not see right away, and I see things from a different perspective. So I can teach them and and learn or help them learn things that they're not necessarily seeing from the first person point of view. So like for example, I'm there for all the practices. I watch them play. I can see, I can choose to see their individual point of view, or I can see an overview of the map and it just shows little arrows. So it's almost like X and O's and I can see where the little arrows go. And then when I'm, like we play three different modes, we play hard point, which is like a king of the hill for just kind of basis. And then that mode specifically, the basis of the mode is to just stay on that kind of place on the map and it moves five times. But the more, the more you stay on it, you accumulate time to win the game. So, but kind of the, the depth the deep part of it is that the spawns where players kind of when they die they come back to life that's the kind of the basis of the mode that's what you that's kind of the strategy around the game is to make the other team spawn as far away from that point as possible so Mike, the, you can but you can't compare yourself to bill belichick for gaming because my first question is going to be so how many cheat codes do you have for call of Duty? <laughs> you know oh you're not you're not a patriots fantasy okay oh no, no, i'm in new york <laughs> through, through, man. Uh, yeah. 
but basically it's just the, the basis of what's going on. But I can see from a different perspective, but they don't see that. They know those things by playing. Like the more you repeat and it's kind of like bowling where in practice, I'm trying to find the line. I'll throw a ball 10 times in a different spot, but slightly different to really get the best angle of the pocket and see how the pins fall. So it's basically imagine I was someone that's watching every bowler in the house, try different lines. And then I can see who's using the best line. Let's say I can go to my bowler if I was a storm rep or a rep of any kind and tell my bowler, Obello, you should bowl here because there's a ton of friction near the gutter there. So do that and you're going to be golden. So it's kind of the same basis for being a coach. I'm like seeing things from a different perspective. And because of my knowledge and the gaming or just called in general and my understanding of the games at a high level, I can help them try and mold and make sure that they're all on the same page and everyone has the same understanding so they can compete at the highest level and be basically trying to help them have an edge over other teams on the, on the knowledge front. And that's kind of the basis of what I do. So it's mostly just watching and, and talking. Like I'm just communicating what I see and what I think is going on. And I try and help the players really kind of get on the same page of everything that I teach and, and everything that they see as well. Cause obviously the players are smart human beings too. They know what's going on. So when we have conversations, I'm like an arbitrator almost in some cases, but that's kind of the basis of it. And then, yeah, we have a manager and all this other stuff for like the pampering and buying snacks and all this stuff. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, it, like we're like, there's a team of like, let's say eight, nine guys that kind of, there's five players. We have two subs and we have me and a manager that kind of go to events. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just, again, it's like super comparable to real sports. It's not that much different. It's just, we don't move our legs and our arms to do what we do. We just move our hands and our thumbs. Sounds like college bowling, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, with, with, with serious money though. You know, with serious money mixed in, with, I forget about that. So, yeah, and, and let's let's transition back to bowling a little bit and, and talk about that because all this esports stuff has has come to rise over the last decade or so. Is it fair to say that, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so you know this is something that's rather new, right? As you said before, when you, even when you first started out in in that area, uh, the money was nowhere near what it is now, and things are constantly expanding. So clearly. You know, video. We know why video games have captured the popularity. It's because people love video games. They love to play them. It's almost part of everybody's youth today. I would say, as a teacher, 100%. see anyway. Um, so, I, I guess the the conversation I want to have, or what what I'd like to hear you talk about, is you bowl. You see bowling. You understand the position that that game's in. You've seen the rise of esports and the popularity of that, and the money grow and the sponsorships grow. And what it's what it's turned into. How how do we in the bowling community even even project ourselves a little bit down that road of success? So so it's difficult because bowling's been around for a long time and it had some success. I'm, I'm like in the seventies, eighties. It seemed like it was pretty popular. There's kind of events going on almost every weekend. There's like a tour where it's like what twenty seven weeks, thirty weeks a year, yeah. where there's people constantly traveling. So it's like comparing it to games is, is a little more difficult. Like gaming has been around, at least competitive games has been around since like the early 2000s. There's a game called Counter-Strike, which is still around to this day. There's Starcraft in Korea, which is really big. And and those scenes were kind of already there. And then these other games, like console games specifically, kind of made their growth. Halo, Call of Duty, and some other games kind of started going up. And then I'd say about like kind of what you said, like 10 years ago, a bunch of kind of new games that were built around more, like games back then were just games that were built for fun. And then people competed on them. Uh, so it wasn't like necessarily like it's not like a football game was made and like oh, people are going to compete on this. There's going to be 10 guys and 10 guys. And those guys are going to battle it out to see who wins the money. Like more the, the, like Call of Duty, for example, is just a game that was made for shooting and have fun. But a community of people who took it really seriously decided to try and compete on it. Um, and that's kind of how things grew from that. Um, I think bowling from a standpoint is, again, different because we've had growth, but also because of the 
the level of seriousness that the casual, like the, the average bowler goes into bowling, there's like a misunderstanding almost of what players are trying to achieve. Like it's a weird realm where back in the day, against uh, this is again me speculating, but from what it seems like because of the amounts of people that are watching on TV and in person and the way people were taking it, the seriousness level of when I entered bowling casually was to try and emulate the professionals. I got into bowling. I see Mark Roth throw a ball. He threw whatever, 400 RPMs, which was like fucking three roof back then. Everyone's like, oh my God, this ball's going to hook off the lane. And it's like, like, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I want to be that guy. This is the guy that's that I'm excited about to watch. I'm going to watch him and I'm going to go home and I'm going to try and do the same thing. I'm going to try and bowl and do as well, as well as I can. Maybe someday I can be like him. Now bowling nowadays, for the most part, at least from the casual standpoint, they have no fucking idea who, who Belmo is. Like even from a casual, like, like Belmo is the most popular bowler. If you go into bowling, there's most likely a picture of him somewhere. Or if there's any storm thing, you'll see a picture of Belmo or any competitive, if you're in a competitive bowling environment. And a lot of people just don't understand or don't notice people. And they go there and just trying to have fun, which is fine. I'm not saying that shouldn't be a thing. But if you're a bowler who buys your own bowling ball and you still don't know that or still don't care about that, that's where the problem lies, in my opinion. Like, it's it's weird. It's almost like some bowlers are just happy to be or content with just being good in their kind of surrounding areas and almost want to shut themselves out to the rest of the world. And that's something in video games that you can't do. Like all these esports games that are growing and these games that are built for esports, like competitive is the forefront of the game. I get on the game, there is no way I can go into a game without seeing content that are derived off this professional team. Like, like for example, League of Legends is a huge kind of game that's on PC. That's probably one of the biggest esports in the world. If I open the game, I see like three or four pictures of team team pictures and team names and videos that lead into content from that thing or it shows you when the next matches are being competitive on. Like, I can't look at the screen without seeing anything that will tell me who, what is the best player kind of in the world playing. When bowling is just not really the case. Like, it's it's almost like the culture around it has changed to a point where the the, the, the average consumer just doesn't really care for being good at it, which is kind of weird. Like, I, I don't I don't really understand that. Mm. Um, and I'm, I don't know if, I'm sure Belmo's been on the show. I would assume so. At least I hope he has. If he hasn't, you guys got to get him on here. He's Love that. No, no, uh, but I, I, did he tell you guys his pattern idea? I don't want to derive it too much. Yeah, I'm familiar with it about yeah. different colored patterns. Different color, yeah. Like I, to uh, me, that's the kind of thing that's like, like visually, I get into a bowling center and I see things. I'm like, it, it's questions. Like I don't know what that is. What is that? And I see this thing, and like, even if I'm a straight ball bowler or someone just like slightly into it, I can see those things, and it, it, there's a visual representation of what the difficulty is, and that tells me automatically that. There's a there's a point in which I want to do is going to get me to here. I start on whatever blue easy pattern, and I want to get to the red or black pattern, whatever. And then that's difficult. Like I want to be good on that. That's a goal. Instead of just getting in, I'm like, oh, where's the bar? Let me go get a pint of beer and just drink, and then throw this thing on lane and step over the line and slip over whatever that thing is called beyond the line and fall on yeah. my butt. Like you know what? Another another. Let's, let me let me say something, Rob. I don't know if you agree with me here. That's one of the best answers to that question we've ever gotten on this show. We've interviewed some heavy hitting ass people in the bowling industry, and they should fucking listen to that answer because that's a hell of an answer right there if they're paying attention. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? One more, one more point I want to follow up with to that that we already touched on earlier, but I want to bring it back again because I feel like it fits right into what you're saying here, right? The, the game in bowling isn't even being played the same way on all levels. You it's know, the players are playing one game, and the professionals are playing a different game. You know, yeah. in, in the esports realm, there's no way around it. You're playing the same game. You know, mm-hmm. no, we'll play that. Don't, don't lie. Don't lie. No lying. <laughs> we don't lie on the show, right? 
I can't. No, no. Oh, no, no, no I'm kidding. <laughs> correct me. We always tell like it is here. But, I, you know, if you get up against another person in Call of Duty, you're playing Call of Duty. You're not playing two different – no? You're, is there a way to play diff- two different versions? How, how does that work out in the game? Okay. So here's the basis. There are – this is not for every sports. This is specific to Call of Duty. So, okay. for example, like League of Legends, the basis – the base game, if I go into the average regular game, the competitive – the field and the field of play and all the stuff that's in the game is exactly the same as a competitive environment. Okay. So if I'm playing that game, yes, that game is true – I am experiencing the same thing as the professionals are. The only difference is the person I'm playing against isn't a professional. When you play Call of Duty, the modes are different. The equi- all the stuff that's in the game is kind of butchered down. Like there's a bunch of stuff that is that is quote unquote banned. You can't use because it it would basically ruin the competitive integrity of the game. So for example, we don't use grenade launchers because grenade launchers are noob tubes. So we this would be like in the hands of a professional, it would be exploited to a point where it's not even fun to watch. Or it, it would basically be too overpowered. Wow. So our and this is goes deep. Like our the way we play and the modes we play and the rules we play on are so different than what the casual player plays on that the game is almost not recognizable. And that's the issue we deal with on Call of Duty. And to me, in my opinion, that's one of the main reasons why Call of Duty isn't one of the biggest esports because Call of Duty game itself is the most sold game almost every year. I think it's been the most sold game every for like the last seven years or eight years. So there's no reason that the amount of people that play the game should be interested in what the pros are doing, but because it's night and day, like to a point where like, for example, if you play, if you watch Rob play, you'll understand what's going on. He's playing team death match. He's got to kill 75 kills in the other team to win the game. And everything that's a game is go use whatever you want. But when you play professional play, we play hard point. We play three specific modes that not everyone's interested by all the rules for those modes are a little different to make it more competitive and, and kind of really kind of make players push for the, like push themselves to the limit. And all the rules and, and or excuse me, the, the game, the, the stuff the game offers are different to a point where if if Rob plays games like, oh, why can't I use this? Why can't I use this gun I use all the time? Or why can't I use a rocket launcher? Or why can't you use this claymore? Like there's so many things in the game that you just can't use at the level. So yes, the game, the game itself is the same, but what you're playing is drastically different to a point where it's almost not recognizable. So we deal with some issues that Bowling deals with. It's called nerfing, Mike. That's what happens. <laughs> I know that game tech damn term is when uh, there's something too strong and they take it out, so they nerf yeah. it. Kind so, of like- I mean, yeah, the nerfing is just change. The nerfing is the developers who take it, like if Rocket's too strong, they'll say, oh, instead of doing 200 damage, it does 100 damage. That's nerfing. Yeah. We yeah. just ban stuff. We just like say you they can't don't even nerf. Period. They just yeah, throw it trash, Mike. Yeah. And, and I think it's we do that with high-performance bowling balls and bowling. And yeah. kind of, kind of to finish the point, the, the basis of it is that the Call of Duty as a game is built for casuals. Like it's not a game built for competitive play. We're people who are really excited about playing competitive on it and turn it into a competitive game. And, and because that community grew and grew, we got more and more interest and more and more money came into it and sponsors and so on and so forth. So it's almost like from a community standpoint, we grew it. And that, that kind of segues into what I feel like bowling should do, um, which is kind of a little more difficult because the interest isn't as high for bowling and that kind of average person. Like, like for say, like, like it's easier for me to get one in 10 person in Call of Duty to really get into Call of Duty because there's so many people in the world that play Call of Duty than it is to get one in 10 person involved in competitive bowling because the bowling world isn't as big anymore, right? So it's it's a little harder, but I feel like there's some things that I can, that not I can, but that the community in bowling can try and do and help. And there's a lot of things that we do already that that hurts ourselves. And that's another thing. I, I think I spoke to this in another show I did. I can't remember who it was, but... Uh, there, a lot shoot. of stuff we do is kind of rough. Again. Sorry, well, what was the point? We got. Uh, I mean, we yeah, if, it's kind of going away from the, the topic we were talking about. But basically, 
Uh, I love flow bowling. Flow bowling is awesome. Creating content on different platforms like we do, where we have the USB-C platform. We have flow bowling. We have bowl TV. We have uh, we have stuff on YouTube. We have stuff on Twitch. Like like there's literally like the, the content. We don't have that much content, and we're fucking spread out over like six different websites. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to watch Call of Duty, I'm going to Twitch. I go on Twitch. There's probably like right now, I could probably tell you there's at least probably like a thousand five hundred people that are streaming Call of Duty on Twitch. Some of them have no viewers, some of them have 30,000 viewers. But if I want to watch Call of Duty, I know where to go. I don't have to think about it. I want to watch bowling. Okay, well, okay, let's see. This week's schedule, there's this event, and I got to pay 65 bucks to go watch. Okay, but two days after, the, the ladies are playing the USB-C Queen, but that's on both. I got to pay another six. Okay, Man, um, I want to watch I want to watch Brad and Kyle videos, but now I got to go on this website. Uh, okay, I want to watch Darren stream. I love Darren. Darren oh, Darren's on Twitch. Okay. Like, dude, like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, we're, we're literally, like, we're already not big to the point where why the fuck are we separating our content everywhere? Granted, some of, like, for example, Darren's streaming is makes sense because Twitch is the platform to stream on, right? I'm not saying, and, like, we have our own, but, like, the fact that there's so many different places to go on, like, what are we, like, there's nothing to gain from that. Like, everyone's, I, I don't want to speak badly about anyone. I love the bowling community. Don't get me wrong. And I love the content all these platforms do. But, like, at some point in time, someone needs to be able to take a hit for the, for the greater good, Uh like we need to understand that like our community isn't big enough to separate it everywhere. And if I'm a person who wants to get involved in bowling, I want to know where I want to watch it. I don't want to have to look everywhere. I just want to go to one place, pay my one price subscription, or whatever. And this is where I'm going to go see bowling. And there's going to be stuff all the time because it's all one place. The ladies are playing this weekend. The men are playing that weekend. There's an amateur tournament going on that weekend. The junior gold is bowling on that weekend. Like I fucking go to one place and I can see all the bowling I want. Great. Sweet. Granted, there's other things that are that are more difficult with that. Preach. And it, it, would, it would require a world where we all love each other and friend each other, and there's a lot of stubborn-ass people. And I'm sorry, bowlers, but some of you are freaking so many egos in this world. It fucking pisses me off. Uh, but but to a point where, like, it's, it's super, in my opinion, it's one of the most important things we need to do is really kind of create more content that's accessible to many. And if for someone, if someone is even remotely in session watching bowling, they know where to go to see it, so that they have the ability to watch it. And like Brad and Kyle, like a prime example of like there is interest in watching other stuff of bowlers and bowlers kind of promoting themselves, promoting themselves as personalities and really kind of helping grow the scene. And like people love Brad and Kyle; they're awesome. Like they're they're fun dudes, and they they showed they showed on their videos. But like I don't want to have to look for it. Just put it in my face. Like just shove it down my throat. Just I want bowling. Bring it. Don't don't make me look like my golf club. I don't want to go in the bottom of my golf bag to watch bowling. I just want to fucking see it. Sorry, excuse the language. Oh, it's it's not, gets me really up. You know, great great points. All all points. Rob, stuff that we've talked about on here before. Yeah, well, I mean, with more of the bull TV flow bowling, that's a big point that we've brought up before. Like, I'm I'm not a we're biggest. Me and Mike are self proclaimed biggest bowling fans in the world, and we don't even have bowl TV dot um, subscriptions because I'm not paying flow bowling that has a yearly membership and a bowl TV. I don't like I the, those two platforms have to get on the same page. USBC and the PBA have to get on the same page. That's the first thing. And then we talked about this on a previous interview that we just actually did about how. The owners of the bone centers, the BPAA, the, the bone proprietors need to get on the same page with the USBC. We're hopefully Bolero now being, you know, purchasing the PBA. That could bring the proprietors and the PBA together, right? And then they could go, um, be the greater good of the sport. But the USBC and the PBA need to, like, get along. The USBC now is only paying, you know, $25,000 for first place majors. PBA is paying $100,000 for just regular PBA tournaments. 
So how is that a line? Like that's all over the place. The USBC, the Masters, you have to watch on Bull TV. The PBA, you have to watch on Flow Bowling. I mean, your points are a hundred percent valid. And like I, I, Mike, like Ray, like I'm super, super impressed. Like with everything that you're saying. Like seriously, like it's bringing the beast out of me. About like we can go on for hours talking oh, bro, about like, this shit. Seriously, it, it irks me because I love like again, I love bowling. Like for like people are like, oh, he's talking bad about bowling. He must hate it, even though he's pretty good at it. But fuck that guy. No, it's like dude. <laughs> I bowled, I bowled as a kid. I love it. Like, if I could, I would just fucking quit my life and bowl for a living if I really could. My thumb's fucked now. Hopefully, I can bowl again someday. I have the bowler's thumb. My old nary nerve or some shit imploded on me last December. And this COVID thing is kind of landing at a good time because I get to heal a little bit while everyone else can't bowl. It's great. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> bad, bad, bad point. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's just to a point where, like, like, we all need to get on the fucking same page if you ask me, dude. It's just, like, it's ridiculous. The difficulties – like the sport itself has difficulties to reach out to the youth because, like you said, the youth are kind of in the video games, just stuck to screens. Nobody like there's. I mean, there's still people out there love bowling, and that's great. But the ability to get the youth really into bowling again is to really kind of put the forefront of bowling being a sport you can be good at. Like it's to me, it's just the professional aspect of it. Like any sport, like kids play football, they don't fucking just go play football to play football. They look at Tom Brady or all these kind of good players out there, like, oh, I want to be that guy someday. That guy's that's the reason I play football because it's fun and I can watch these guys and try to emulate what they do. Like that's the humanity in general likes that. Like it's the human brain wants to be good at something and knowing that there's something out there to be good at is one of the reasons why people kind of get into these sports. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think you made a great point as well, just to, to follow up about how, yeah, they, they, there's, there's not enough exposure of the top players in the game. You know, and there's not enough exposure of the lower levels of the game to those top players. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think will take us in the right direction as well. Ray, last question I'm going to ask you here in terms of the connection between the, the bowling and the gaming worlds. Am I, am I right or wrong in saying that there had to be a point in the gaming world where sponsors didn't take it seriously? Where they kind of looked at esports and said, ah, oh, get the hell out of here. This shit's never going to be popular. There's no reason for us to pursue this, similar to how some sponsors might view bowling in a certain light. And uh, is there any comparison there? I mean, yeah, probably, honestly. I mean, it's hard to, I was never really kind of looking towards the business side of it when I first got into it. Um, I, I mean, the sponsors definitely weren't the ones that are behind me when I first started. Uh, they were like small companies that are like, like monitors, building monitors or doing stuff that's kind of the peripherals that the players use. And they just like most of the sponsors kind of battle out to be the showcase products at events. So like I go to a tournament, like all the monitors are this monitor or all the controllers are this controller or so on and so sure. forth. So like, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the basis of it was there. And then the kind of the side stuff came into it when it grew to a point where the projection of these games on these websites just grew to an amount where it's like exponential, right? Like, like Twitch, for example, wasn't as big when it started, but personalities came on. People started like watching it and then it's word them out. Like I, I told Mike and Mike told Rob and then Rob told his five buddies, like, come watch this. This guy's awesome. This guy's doing stuff and I can see it all the time. And it's dope. This guy's like shitting on people, actually just so much fun. And it's like, and, but, but it's like those things, like, it's just like, I don't understand, like I'm kind of the slightly off topic, but I don't understand how people don't get excited watching Belmo. Like there's some bowlers. I don't get it. Like they just, they almost like look down at pros saying like, these guys are either cheating or just aren't that great. Like mm-hmm. this guy oh, is not nother, that good. That is a whole nother and, show. And, that and, is yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to drive through it. No, okay. no, 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 that is but it's just like small, just shortly on topic, like on that topic, bowling back in the day, in my opinion was much more like the pro bowler 
looked like it was much more achievable for a casual to get to than it is now. And that to me, that's an issue. And that's not something really fixed. Like it's just golfing, right? Like I love golfing. I play, I'm like almost a scratch golfer now. And I like, I play a lot of golf and I watched like Rory McIlroy hit a drive three forty down the middle. I'm like, I'm probably never going to be able to do that. I can do it pretty good. Maybe 280, 290 if I catch one good, but probably not 340. And that's kind of like a little depressing to me almost, right? Like it's like a feeling of like, like this guy's doing something that I never feel like I'll be able to achieve. And like Belmo, for example, does things with the ball that most one-handers can't do. So to like for, and that's the whole, not our discussion. Let's not have this one-hander two-hand discussion. We're going to be here for a long time. Uh, but, but just kind of the basis of like back then, like when you watch like, I don't know, like Earl Anthony or those guys, like the style was pretty simple. Like I'm a bowler. I'm a casual bowler. This guy was just really fucking accurate and knew what he's doing on the lanes. But if I'm a lefty and I'm, I can have like, it's not that hard to do what he was doing from a physical standpoint. Right now it's so different. Like every sport has that kind of extra ability and people don't necessarily respect that. And I think that's one of the bigger issues. And and that's just, I don't think that's something we're ever going to be able to go around in the sport unless we just force things to be the way that they were, which I don't think is the right thing anyways. Um, but yeah. Ray, what's your favorite bowling ball ever, man? Favorite bowling ball ever? It's got to be the Sherlock, dude. I've I've won a lot of tournaments with that ball, and that was my that was my almost made a TV show ball until Belmo decided to throw a fucking pitch black on top of my Sherlock. You fucking kidding me? Richest <laughs> ball in this bag, and he's dude, take a killing number. my oil. Oh, take a bro. number, Ray. Take a I'm number. Right not this guy it. like tripped four buckets in a match, man. <laughs> Oh wait till we oh I can't wait for when we post this interview we're gonna I'm gonna tag him too. Like, oh, Ray uh, talked about how Belmo spilled four buckets. Oh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get on him too about it. For sure. <laughs> so this, this fucking oh okay. So yeah. the first there's like a, a I don't I can't remember what it was was it no it was a TV show like because the the way they do the the match plays like the it was two a day so like one pattern in the morning one pattern in the afternoon yeah. I got there earlier in the day and I watched him bowl and he like did this turnaround 300 thing. Like he, he was on the sheet. He threw his 12th shot and just turned around before the ball hit the pin. And he struck. He's like, I'm like, as a kid. but then he did the same thing against me to throw a strike. It was like a big strike in the middle of the game. And he oh, ringed man. 10. I was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful doing that. Cause you know, the, the, the bowling gods, they don't, you know, I don't think they take yeah. too kindly to that kind of no. stuff. <laughs> right. Listen, man, this, this, uh, this has been an awesome interview. Amazing. Really enjoyed having you on. Uh, we appreciate the time. Good luck with the gaming stuff. Uh, I'm definitely going to stay up on, on what you guys are doing with empire. And I know that you're coaching that Dallas team there. So we'll stay up on that. And, uh, Again, man, welcome to Sweep the Rack for the first time. We greatly appreciate the time, and we want you definitely to come back. Oh, There's some cool stuff we got to get into. You're a real one, Ray. Oh, I talk all the time, bro. I'm, I'm going to be uh, Sweep the Rack official over here. So I love it. I love it. Anytime, anytime you guys want, for sure. All right, appreciate it, Ray. Thanks very Thank much. You. Thank you. So, Rob, uh, quite quite a, more more than what you would expect there, right? Oh, my goodness. Like He like was saying some answers to some of the questions that we asked some big bowling people that are in this industry and his answers were well thought out. They were educated. I mean, it was really like, it was refreshing to a certain point, Mike, like that here's another person that we interviewed at the PBA would need to bring in as a consultant or hire him and say, look, like e-gaming is big. Like, I mean, look at all the kids that are coming out and bowling and that's the demographic that bowling needs to focus on is you know, the, the, the 16 to, to, to 21 year old crowd. And we talked about that, right, Mike, in a previous interview. 
And here, these guys have Mike. You hear the turnouts they have for these tournaments? Five wow. people, four hundred teams. Yeah, it's crazy, really. If if you are not into the gaming scene or the competitive gaming scene, and you have a few minutes to kill, go check out some of the YouTube videos for his his uh, competitive esports team, um, uh, Dallas Empire. Rob, I mean the view numbers and the way they do things. There's there's pregame shows, there's postgame analysis between the matches. I mean, it's so over the top. I was so blown away and. Yeah, I really, I, that's why I felt it might be interesting to have him on to hear that perspective from somebody who's in a different area and has seen it grow and has seen, you know, some of the things that we'd love to see in, in the bowling world, right? Yeah. And I heard him correctly during that interview. You know, one of the one of the biggest things it seems for the esports world has been not only having a lot of eyes on their content, but having the right eyes on their content. Right, younger eyes on their content, etc., and you know that seems to be an, an important part of the equation here. Well, we kind of figured out the answer to where all the Saturday morning uh, bowl the kids went. They were playing video. They were playing online video games. I mean, seriously, like, and that was a big thing that we've talked about before, and we've had asked interviews is what separated the sixties and seventies of bowling, because that was the only thing really on TV on Saturday afternoon to watch, right? Like that was now it's you have not only cable right with all these channels but now you have the internet streaming platforms right your Netflixes your Hulu's now you have your online video games right before when you were a video game the only time you can get a decent video game was in the arcade right and guess where the arcades were they were in the bowling alleys yeah. <laughs> so, so like that's where like you got now like you can't you could, you don't have to leave your living room and you could play a PS4 and you can play for hours and hours instead of somebody going to a bowling alley and bowling a youth league, right? Or, or and play video games afterwards. Yeah. Now with this whole professional gaming and these kids, they see these twitches and how much money you can make off of professional gaming. It's becoming elite now because they have so many kids trying to 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 make money and, and do this. You know, play online games for. For, for a profession that now these, you know, the sponsors jump in, right? Because they're like, we got to get on this, right? There's a million views of these Twitches and, and online streaming. And then it just is like a big snowball because, you know, uh, of the ratings and then the viewships and then the social media. And, you know, it's, it's a whole new world, right? Where we have known nothing about. So it's great to hear Ray who knows bowling, right? And he knows gaming, and game bowling is where we want to get to. Uh, no, we want to get bowling to a gaming type level, right? And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it'll ever get to, to that level. I mean, he explained the differences in yeah. situations there pretty well, I think. But listen, it would be nice to even see bowling make some positive steps anywhere towards where uh, esports is. It seems like it's going. You know, sure. right now, Rob, like they're building an esports arena in Philly. You know, where all the other sports arenas are, they're building in the Comcast is building an actual esports arena. So you know, wait, so if there's professional tens of thousands of people are gonna come and watch. So and boo, uh, and they're gonna boo too, and throw batteries and do all the other things Philly people do. Yeah, I know all the stereotypical stuff. <laughs> I'll just say it like hey. So, uh, so yeah, listen, it, that that was that was an excellent interview. Uh he had some really awesome things to say. You know, great perspectives there from both sides of the coin. And like I said, you know, even if you're not a gamer, go check his stuff out. It, it's uh, it's interesting. Even just take a look at it for for a little bit and uh, and give a look.
Yeah, and uh, amazing. So yeah, when uh, that being said, uh, take a deep breath here. We're gonna keep it moving for the people here. As always, Rob. All right, Rob. So that's what we got for the people tonight. You got any final thoughts here? Uh, you know, it's good to see bowling a little bit coming back. Uh, um, even Mike thinking about lacing up the shoes here in the next uh, couple months as soon as the, the um, you know, as soon as the, the bowling alley start open up. Uh, but yeah, you know, I just kind of feel like, you know, if you listen to that interview with, 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 with Ray, uh, it's amazing how, how, uh, how quick online gaming came up and i kind of feel like it's like the it's like gonna be a huge huge deal for a while because how good online gaming and gaming is uh, and hopefully bowling could get to get to that level but yeah i mean other than that you know i'm good mike it's really nice weather here it's you know coming into the summer months so just looking forward to uh you know having a little bit of uh, outside time here in chicago yeah, I thought uh, the interview was really good. I think people should listen up to his comments. I love hearing from people that are, you know, not not deep insiders to the bowling industry, right? Like his his bread and butter is somewhere else outside of bowling. You know, he's he's closer to you and I than he is to a deep insider in the industry of bowling. Uh, and he had some really interesting, thought provoking comments sure. about the industry and and comparisons between esports and bowling and differences and. You know, I, I honestly, I love having people on that aren't so deep in the industry. Rob, we have people, you know, the industry has the same, same lines a lot, right? Same, same views, same ways of doing things. I like to hear the outsider's perspectives, you know, because you, you, you hear different thoughts. And I think that's kind of what you, you heard in that interview tonight. So uh, shout to Ray. Uh, we hope all is well with him. Uh, Rob, we love catching up with the people, right? As always, hit us up, sweep the rack on all social media. Sweep the rack at Gmail. Hit us up. We love the emails. We love hearing from people. Uh, Rob, we had a couple interesting emails in the last week or so. You know, couple, uh, some some heavy hitters in the bowling industry hit us up to to let us know that uh, we should we should stand behind our our draft grades that we gave, right? Yep. And 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 even even not be afraid to put some racks on that, as I said. So. You know, always interesting in the inbox, Rob. I love going in our email inbox. So it is. drop us a line. Let us know what's good. And, uh, yeah, take care. Rob, I think we'll catch up with people pretty quickly here because oh, yeah. we're, we're trying to get some things out. We have a lot of, a lot of uh, content in store for the people. Wednesday night, people. 8 Wednesday p.m. Night too, that's right. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be going live. And, Mike, like, we don't plan on being live for more than at least, like, 45 minutes, right? No, like we're not be quick. No, we're, we're we're not planning to have a guest as of right now. That no. might change. You know, sometimes people hit us up at the last second. Yeah. It's really for the people, Rob. We want to talk to the list to the listeners, viewers. We want to bring people in. You know, we want USBC message board here on Sweep the Rack. Let's have the conversation. Let's talk. Let's let's have some debate. You know, even if your opinion is stupid, come on and I'll tell you so face to face. Yeah, let's talk about the Walter Post, right? I think that's something maybe we, we could ask the people about. Like, what do you guys think about uh, tournaments that don't, don't have social distancing? I want to hear about people if they plan on bowling tournaments. I don't know. We got to be, be like you. There. That could get political pretty quick. So I don't Yo, know. Uh, hey, I mean, you know, look, man, I have the, the ability to mute and, and remove people from the stream. So hopefully I don't have to boot anybody. Your, but your my brother will be one of them. 
Jeff, yeah, you I, I, them, you'll have to boot Jeff, undoubtedly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to, if, if it gets political, I, I don't know if I could, uh, you know, I, I'd have to get my mom on too so they could, uh, you know, clash a little bit because that's how it goes in my family, you know. Uh, but right, yeah, man, Sweep the rack as always, cross the board. Uh, Rob, Wednesday night, we'll see the people yes, at 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, people, talk to you guys soon. Hit the music, son. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.